Eli. Yes, Paul. I Hello. had a dream about you last night. Oh, yeah. It seems that when we're going to do this episode in this studio, one of us has an erotic dream about the was other. Was it erotic? Okay. <laughs> it really was. I wasn't directly involved, but I did get an eyeful. Hang a lantern on it. Well, <laughs> bear yes. with me, Mr. Silverman. Okay. So for some reason, last night I had a dream that we were meant to be doing something for Cheap Show, right? But you weren't available. When I asked your agent, who was... Uh, I don't remember what she sounded like, but she did look like the little woman from Beetlejuice who ran the dead. Oh. You know, that little old lady who's in, who runs the afterlife. In what is in the lobby of yeah. the afterlife. And she's smoking and the smoke's coming out of her throat. Oh, yes. Anyway, yeah. she looked like there. Anyway, she goes, oh, Eli's in the jungle. And I was like, what's he doing in the jungle? He goes, oh, he's making a film. So then I go out to the jungle, right? And like I, the rock I, or something. And, and I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping in a, in, a, in a sleeping bag in the middle of this. Have you seen me yet? Not yet, no. I'm coming. But, like, <laughs> crocodiles are, like, sleeping next to me in this dream, and, like, yeah. one's biting the other, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to sleep. Ooh. Anyway, I make it through this clearing, and there's a hut, right? Just a hut. There's a few cameramen outside. Oh, there's no, a hut. This is going to be problematic. <laughs> <laughs> and I go in, and I swear to God, you're standing there absolutely naked, leg up on a chair like this, <laughs> wanking, just, oh. just wanking. And I'm coming, I'm like, I'm like, mate! And you're like, I'm getting ready for my big shot. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, oh. and then I woke up and I had the biggest job on. Oh right, so my God. That was my dream. <laughs> Sorry. Good luck. Telegram for Mr. Freud. Yes. <laughs> anyway, joining us this week is our special guest, Mr. Paul Putner. Hello, hello. Hello. Yeah, Thank hiya. you for joining us. I'm sorry that you had to hear that. No, it's all right. Do you ever have dreams? Well, I maybe it's dreams you get as, as you become older, man, um, where you're, I'm, I'm always looking for a, a public toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never and, had and, that. And, and, and I'm always kind of in my pants and, and I've got socks and, it's, and these toilets, always these horrible Victorian... You know, with dripping sounds yeah. and there's damp piss all over yeah. the floor. Yeah. All my socks are wet, and I go in, and there's turds and effluents everywhere. Yeah. And I think, well, I can't use. And it's basically your bladder going, no, wake up. Yeah, wake you up have and to take, go to the toilet. Wake up and take a piss. Yeah, and often we have to, don't we? Yeah. Or, or we've missed the boat, and we have a little bit of a bedroom accident to deal with. Well, um, I've never had one of those dreams, but it is it's classic anxiety dream territory, isn't it? Mm, but mm. I have that dream. In real life. It's a waking nightmare for yeah. me. Wait, you have the dream in real life or the incident happens whenever to you I go within out, the dream? Whenever I go out, Paul, yeah. in London, yeah. I'm like, where's the toilet? Uh, oh, And there's always like, oh, should I go into the pub? Or should I buy something? Or just go, can I use the loo? And then what if they're funny about it? Or, you know. But then you just go around the bins by the back of a shop. Well, I mean, that was the whole thing with lockdown. You suddenly realise, as a man in your mid-50s, how far can I walk? Without not having to go into a pub or to, or, yeah. or, or Sainsbury's to go to the toilet because yeah. they're all shut. Apparently, public <laughs> shitting public shitting went through the roof. During <laughs> really, the really, really, apparently, quite literally, yeah. <laughs> piled up to the ceiling. Wait, yeah. do we talk about public as in restrooms or just like in the street? No, in the, in the street or in the park. Really? Yeah, because of th what Paul's saying. But no one was meant to be out, so why are people out and well, about you go pooing for in the a walk, street? Don't you? No, you were allowed to. You could go for a walk. You're allowed for to exercise. go for a fucking walk. No, but mate. you weren't allowed to go for a shit. You should at least bring a bag. Yeah, but where you men a shit if all the shops are shut? Yeah. And the pubs Pumpkin. are shut. Everything's shut. I'm walking down the road. Perhaps I've had some blue tackies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've had a bag of blue tackies and I've done the powder. Now right. I need to shit turquoise. Right, well, yes. good. Well, with that out of the way, hello, oh, everyone. Paul, Paul, oh, hello. God. Paul. I thought we were going to get to the credits then. Now, when are you going to tell everyone the big announcement about the podcast? Uh, <laughs> when are you going to tell them? What big announcement? Should I? Go on. Okay, everyone, we are going, we're changing. We're now going to be purely Squid Game based <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. We just talk about Squid Game all day long. Squid Post. Squid Post? <laughs> Squid Pod. 
Squid Pod. I don't want to talk about Squid. Is that what you, you when we had a little chat before the episode? You went, I've got a great idea for the cold open. Was that it? That was it. Yeah, it was quite funny. You laughed. Yeah, it, it caught me off guard. But this is that kind of thing that dates a podcast in about a year's time, All right, when yeah. no one's talking about Squid Game and instead they're talking about Clam Match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to Cheap Show. I hate you and your fucking noodle posse. Just a fact of Cheap Show you're going to have to learn to fucking accept. Cheap Show. Off-brand brand, off-brand brand, off. Cheap, 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 cheap. Cheap Show. It's the price of shite. Silverman. Welcome to Cheap Show. And I go and I nuzzle. Hello, yes, it's the Economy Comedy Podcast where I, Paul Gannon, and Eli Silverman go for the charity shops, Bargamins, Powlands, and beyond to bring you the treasure amongst the trash. Hello, Eli. Yeah, hi. I'm meant to be what? I'm meant to do what here? Enthusiastic, okay, professional. We've hello, got a Eli. guest. I know. We've got a guest. Well, why don't you let the guest talk instead of going fucking picking on me? There's a hierarchy of introductions in a podcast. Main you don't need to introduce me. Everyone knows who I am. Main Paul. star first. They know who I am. The mate. main star first introduces the show, me, then the underling, <laughs> <laughs> then you, and then our illustrious guest, Mr. Paul Putner. Hello, Mr. Putner. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. E- well, Eli was asking how he's going to name us because we're both Pauls. Partner. It's fine. Partner. Yeah. yeah. Partner and Gannon. Partner and Gannon. Oi! Rock on, Putner. Putner and Gannon. It does have a ring, doesn't it? Gannon and Putner. I've always thought Gannon works well, for, depending on the surname. I often wonder if they do it, like when they break up, like Cannon and Ball, it just has a ring to it as opposed to Ball and Cannon. Well, it's just Why what it's used to. But is it like Morecambe and Wise, Little and Large, yeah, Cannon yeah. and Ball? Yes, it has a, a this rhythm. This is the train that goes to the station. Yes, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so you've got the, the, the close syllables at the beginning. Mitchell and Webb. da 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 Oh, I think I've broken the code. That's how you have to be a good stubble act. You just have to have the right amount of syllables. Derek and Clive. It's all, yeah. all the same. Oh, but you see, Lee and Herring were originally going to be Herring and Lee. That sounds better. But uh, Stuart oh, yeah. wanted it as Lee and Herring for that's, some I reason. guess that's I think it. he ruined it, because I can never remember the name of, <laughs> uh, of Her- Herring and Lee. I never remember that. Uh, Lee and Herring, sorry. Yeah. You see, I got it wrong then. Yeah. No, here's something. Here's something. Riddle me this. Go My on. other half, she's... French and she always says, "Can you pass me a, a fork and knife, please?" <laughs> and I say, "No, it, it, over here in this country, <laughs> we say knife and fork." And she says, "Well, that doesn't make sense because you put it on the table, forks on the left." Oh yeah, and fork and knife. Yes, but I hold, hold the knife in my right hand. Ah, always so, have. Weird. So, yes, but you fork and knife then. Yeah, fork. No, it's no. knife and fork for me. Unless she was oh, being I'm rude. Going left and, to right. Unless oh, right. she was being rude and you misheard. Well, she calls the. Uh, she'll pass me the plate and I'll go, that's a bowl. No, <laughs> it's a plate. It's a, well, it's a dish, but it's definitely a bowl. No, it's a plate. And God, they, again, it was this banging our heads together over this. And also, <laughs> she told me that marmite is pronounced mamite. <laughs> that does make it sound really posh, though, doesn't it? Well, it's, that's what a marmite is. A yeah, mamite a, is, a, the, is the pot, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's right. So she's right, I think, there. 
Although mm. I used to go around telling everyone it was Bovril. A Bovril was the name of a pot, but it's, I was it's wrong. It's not, is it? So I just what does Bovril? It's from bovine for beef. I put, it was just a hot cow. meat drink, wasn't it? Called a Bovril. Yeah, but Bov imagine. is Bov is from bovine, yeah. which means cow. No, oh, I'm not, just, not disagreeing with that fact. Can you I was stating? Say Eli said something right. <sighs> Eli said something right that I didn't contest, and I don't know why you're going on about What's it. What's the real from Bovril then? Uh, the Welsh town where it was Horlicks? invented. <laughs> Horlicks? Yeah. Don't let me go into that. <laughs> oh, don't make... Captain don't... Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Paul. Yeah. I've wanted you on the show for a while, not only because like, I'm a big fan of your work and all those kind of things that a presenter should say to a guest, but also yeah. it's like, when you go on your Twitter account and you pull out things from your attic yeah. or things you buy in a charity shop, I'm just sitting there going, your attic is our podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you bring out all these board games and weird and rare toys that you've obviously had for a while. And Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a bit like one of those hoarders, I suppose. And my parents uh, have allowed me to hoard as well. Oh, yeah. And so I just never threw anything away. But I never looked after anything. Right. I think that's the problem. So I've got all these things, but they're all kind of either knackered or broken or scratched. and Bits missing, whatever. Bits missing. Like so it's not like they're worth anything. I think a couple of things might be. But yeah, I just thought I was going through the attic at my parents. Every time I go back mm. to see my folks, I have to go in the loft and look around. And my dad go, you're going to come through the ceiling. <laughs> my mum says the same thing. Yeah. And I did once as well. So she yeah. was ultimately proven right. Yeah. So there you go. And um, I, I, I always have a nose around in the, in the loft. And yeah. And I just thought, well, it would be quite fun to take pictures of these things and stick them on Twitter, see if people like it. Yeah, and I, I, you, I, I do. About 18 people have enjoyed <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'm definitely one of them. But I, I, I do enjoy looking at it because like, I went to my storage yesterday for all my board games and just tried to sort them out. And I counted them. I had 150 of various sizes. And you've got three around my gaff, which you refuse to take. I know, I know. And I've got four at my mate Joe's place, which I've said I'd pick up a year ago as well, and I haven't done that as well. And he's got quite a lot of big ones, like the Gladiators ITV board game. Well, right. Yeah, which is pretty good. And uh, the EastEnders board game as well, which I'm really looking forward to playing one day. That's that's one of those charity shop mainstays, or it was for a while, like the Mm. Neighbours board game. That always pops up. I grab that as well, because you may as well. And I like the idea behind that, where you have to build a script for an episode as you go around the board. Oh, it's a bit meta. Yeah, it's not about actually being because that would be boring. In Erinsborough. In Erinsborough. In Erinsborough. Yeah. Your big galah. What? Your big galah. What does that mean? You're a fucking idiot. Right. Well, just call <laughs> me a fucking idiot from now on, please. So we don't have to play this game. I'm not playing games with you, mate. As so, you can see, I'm in my heart waiting, not playing games. I'm just wanking right off into your face. No, you weren't. Can I just say, in my dream, it was, I wasn't face to nuts. I just want to make it. There was a bit of distance between what your activity and my shock yeah. reaction. A distance that I was quickly shortening if with it, my big old gob. I, I, if, if, <laughs> I will say this in the dream, you were. <laughs> well endowed. You had to move your elbow more, put it that way, <laughs> I guess, to put it that way. Um, so anyway, Paul. So, so yeah. we we first met on the set of Shaun the Dead. We did. That's got to be coming up to nearly twenty Damn, years ago. God, that that's is sobering and terrifying at the same time because the last twenty years of my life have just been seemingly like that. I yeah. look back on that time and it doesn't feel that long ago. It doesn't feel that long ago. But then you go, oh, he's on the whole Cornetto trilogy, Scott Pilgrim. He's made all these films since then. He's on the cover of Empire. Yeah. You know. He's got one coming, hasn't he? Last night in Soho. Mm. Yeah. What? What's wrong with that? It just looks derivative. Looks like derivative of what? crap. Of what? I'm sorry. Of what? Is it derivative burst of? Your fucking bubble. What? <laughs> I just want to know what it's derivative of. Shallow. Shallow films. <laughs> what? You oh, haven't what? seen it. How can you, you say that? The trailer. You're like those Ghostbusters fans in 2016 who said it was shit because it had women in. 
You just can't say it's shallow. <laughs> I'm not saying that. You are. You say, you haven't seen it. You don't know what it's about. You're going off nothing. Didn't like Baby Driver. Well, well. Everyone what was you... going on about that, weren't they? This is not the Edgar Wright criticism <laughs> podcast. So were you a zombie as well? I is was, that... yeah. I actually got cut, to be fair. Really completely? Well, no, I didn't. I'm, I, I was a... Before I turned into a zombie, I was a cab driver. And I had a scene where Sean Simon Pegg gets in the back of the taxi and and i say something like i had one of those one of those in the in the back of my cab the other day you couldn't understand a word they were saying you know so it's it's obviously it was a the undead that was in the back rather than a stinking foreigner (laughs) which is what my cab driver's probably supposed to be a bit of one of those and uh yeah but it um edgar actually rang me up and said look mate i'm really sorry but you're in good company because i've just had to cut pete bainham's scene as well today sorry but you are in it you do get to rip off Dylan Moran's head. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's so, very um, nice of him as a director to let you know. It was. You, it was you know. nice because, yeah, it was. I was gutted, but, you know, I'm still in it. There was a lot of things about that movie because w- when it was getting made, like, for instance, the script was being banded around and I got managed to get a copy of the script mm. halfway through the production. So I knew, I knew what was coming. And there were a lot of really interesting scenes cut out just for time and budget. Yeah. And the one that I always go on about was, like, when people say, oh, Paul, where were you in Shaun of the Dead? I go, well bit of a cursed thing because even though i'm one of the background ones you know just the general masses there was one guy who was the pizza delivery zombie you know you see him with the big red cycle helmet yeah, yeah, yeah. and that guy apparently is making trouble or he couldn't come back to the set so all of a sudden that guy was not available so they just literally i was in the room at the right time um i think it was edgar wright's brother oscar turned turned to me or someone in in that what's his brother doing nepotism well no his brother was doing the storyboarding for the film because he's a really good <laughs> uh, get that graphic job? artist i don't know Fucking... god you're bitter today aren't you <laughs> always bitter out. i know <laughs> but, i'm joking but there was a scene where later on the pizza delivery zombie breaks into the pub with everyone else and they get the winchester out and mm. i it was meant to go into the cycle helmet and then blow my whole head oh, off right. so i was looking forward to getting a head cast oh, and right, the thing yeah, and then yeah. it just didn't happen they had to cut it because there was too much going on in that pub scene at the end. You've got to cut stuff even if it's good yeah. stuff. That's the thing. That's the point. Yeah, It's horrible when it happens. I was in Rogue One, is it? What's the... Oh. That's uh, the good one. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. The one about the Death Star plans. Every time yeah. it comes on the telly, every, everyone starts talking about it on Twitter and I'm rubbing it in. I've never seen it. But I did a yeah, I did two weeks. I had to keep what? going to Pinewood and wow. Was and then, a... and to D- Disney's credit, they did call me and they cr- and say, you "Look, well. mate, you you've been cut." <laughs> wow. Were you speaking? There's your book. Yeah. And wow. a nice, nice scene. It's quite funny. Oh. Was it so it wasn't filmed at all? No, it was filmed. He was there oh, for two, weeks, two Paul. weeks, But what I'm saying is, okay, so was it on deleted scenes or did they put no, it on? No, it's the... not even on the Blu-ray. I'm going to have to wait 20 years for whatever format it's going to be. For... Almighty. <laughs> Before they bring out the 30th edition. Yeah, yeah. The 30th anniversary edition of Rogue One. Well, because what happened was the director who was making it, um, it was the, I can't remember his name. He, he did, did Monsters, g- didn't he? Godzilla. And yeah. Godzilla, yeah, he did. Oh, that what's well. the guy's name? Gareth. Yeah, Edwards. Yes, Gareth Edwards. yes, yes, Gareth. Wow, he, pulled that from nowhere. He um, had all, all, all what he shot, Disney didn't like, or a lot of it they didn't like, not all of it. And so they brought in someone else and they reshot over the summer very quickly. Oh. Right. So it seems like with the ones you were just lost in that wash then, I guess. Absolutely. And I had another friend who was in it. Uh, Tony Way was in it. Okay. He, his stuff got cut. That uh, happens a lot, though, with Star Wars films. Like, didn't Solo get halfway filmed and then they completely oh, stripped yeah, it? Absolutely. And then... I spoke well, to one of the special effects guys and he said the money they spend on these scenes and sequences yeah. and films and set pieces and they would just show it to a test screen and just go, nope. Yeah. 
That that's what blows my mind. It's committee. Though, about they're it. they're huge tentpole things, so they. Yeah, but They're also... made by committee. Um, yeah. I've also, before I forget as well, I've got this to give you. Remember last week in the Noodle special, I said there was a little pamphlet that came with it oh, with yeah. suggestions of how to uh, pimp the oh, noodles and the, the thing. Oh, the pimpage so manual. I've, 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 I've got to take some pictures of this, but uh, I just thought I'd give you a little look at... Oh, what was crap for, throw. Thank you. Crap throw, but also did manage to hook it around that cable, so that's quite impressive. Oh, but I need... I can't read this. This is in Japanese. Yes, but you have, I don't know, a translate app you could translate it oh, with. Oh, that sounds like something I need to... Work at. Yeah, it does. It sounds like you have to put a bit of fucking effort into something. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Isn't yeah, that terrible? It's terrible. Right, on the show today, we are going to be doing a platters and we're doing a Ganon Golden Games. We've got a kind of theme, theme threaded through this episode this week. So, Is it I'm weft? Looking, is there weft? There is a weft of a theme stitched, like a cross stitch. Like there's a cross stitch, a gold trim in yeah, the cross stitch. A stiff weft. <laughs> yeah, there's a stiff weft through my cross stitch. Nice, nice. Uh, of a, I don't know. You know what? Now that I've said it so often, I don't actually. There's that much of a weft theme. There is no wefting. Fatigue. There's a yeah. There's a there's a there's a whiff of a theme running through this episode, and we'll get to it in the fullness of time. Do you have anything else to bring up? Do you have a tells from the dance floor? No, everyone was really well behaved. I've got one. If you want, do you want oh, to, oh yeah, read it? yeah, yeah. From that guy who sent one last time. Oh yeah, let's so have that. that. Right, yeah. Tales from the Dance Floor by Dylan. Dylan, who's emailed last time. And he had that guy who came up to him and wanted to do rapping oh, yeah, at the that. end of the night. Oh, wow. There was that. So, hello, lads. was a bit surreal hearing my own stories featured, but I'm glad you enjoyed them. And since writing the first couple of stories, I have another one. Because he has a DJ gig in, in his local pub, is that right? I believe yeah. so, yeah. So, so I decided the theme of the night would be some cool, mellow soul stuff, so I crafted my playlist and filled it with the usual suspects, Marvin Gaye, Sam and Dave, Curtis Mayfield, plus many more that just sprung to mind as I played. About 40 minutes into the set, I had a guy come up to my booth and ask, can you play any 90s? <laughs> Which is just nice and vague. Yeah. Um, a typical dance floor request. I don't mind the request too much since I was since I was kind of looking for where to go next. But my set time is about four hours, and four hours of the same kind of music can be a bit dull. So I was happy to take some direction. Okay. So he's not instantly like you with the just fuck off out of my sight. Well, face. I just when people say a decade as a genre of music, there, there is not a genre of music. And you know what? Magic Mike. That's the name of a fucking film. That's not a tune. No. That's the name of a film. You can't come up to me and go play Magic Mike and expect me to know what the fuck you're on about. Maybe they want you to get undressed for them to high-energy high dance music. Well, I, I, could, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Patreon to you. My other half, she, she spoke to this student the other day and she said, well, what sort of music do you like? And she went, radio music. <laughs> 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 now that is really generalised. Uh, I like that music. <laughs> Paul, are you okay? Sorry. <laughs> he had a bit of an issue. He was drinking. He did a spit take oh, there. Yeah, yeah. No, I did a. I don't know what that was. It was kind of like an implosive <laughs> spit take where I somehow managed to catch it before it spat into the bottle and hoovered more drink into my mouth with the suction. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of felt like I was slightly drowning for a minute there. Yeah, yeah oh. it's vague, vague requests. 80s, I mean, 90s is slightly better than 80s, I guess. 80s must be one of the most productive decades in human history in terms of producing recorded music. Well, and, and certainly what variety of styles and genres. Well, just think how much music was committed to tape in the 80s. 
I'm sure a lot. But more. More than in previous decades. But less than now? Possibly. Well, no, definitely, because you've got SoundClouds and all those kind of mm. people where you have rappers dropping SoundCloud raps <laughs> and TikToks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all doing it. And that stays in the ether. I used to get annoyed when, when you, they'd have these 80s revival clubs. Well, like school disco type stuff? Well, I don't know. You, you go, but it was all. It was never early 80s. Right. It was no. almost all the 80s stuff I couldn't stand. So it was yes. like Stock Aiken and Waterman? Yeah, yeah, all that crap. Yes, it got, it got crap, didn't it, the 80s? Because there was uh, like the electro pop stuff early in the 80s I really liked. But people, I think, sort of lump that into the 70s. Yeah, the 70s. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. That whole time of music becomes reasonably nebulous because of the change of the 70s. What's to the, the worst year for music in the 80s, do we think? I think 87 or something like it's that. It's 87, yeah. I think. Yeah. I remember I was watching, you know, they repeat Top of the Pops on like BBC Two at random years or whatever. Yeah. And like November something or other, 1987 came on. And every single track, not only on the show, but in the top 40, was fucking piss. Yeah. It was all acts you've never heard of or certainly didn't hang around too long after initial hit. And it was just the most vanilla, weak kind of yeah. music. And very American as well. It got very Americanized. It was in the fun. mid-80s, didn't it? That's when we were completely enraptured with stateside music. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's when, like, for instance, Jonathan King, who we can forego the usual topics about talking about him, but he was mm. a big proponent of bringing that music over because yeah. he had his Entertainment USA show. And that uh, he released a few albums of compilations off the back of that as well to introduce. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. a novelty record by him where he's basically done a satire record about Smurfs or something. Do you remember so that? Are you, are you saying Jonathan King now? Or yeah. Paul Putner, because when you said I've got a novelty yeah, song by him, and then I you didn't say it, by him. No, but you went by I'm him. I'm not going to conflate our guest <laughs> with Jonathan King, no, the well-known nonce. No, I'm saying you were talking about it, but when you made eye contact with me and you made a hand gesture, I knew you were talking about. Here's Jonathan another King. gesture, Paul. Like, you reading okay, this? I saw that one. <laughs> Don't need to see that gesture again. Well, Jonathan King, he had multi personalities didn't he uh, uh, band names he was lots yeah. of different well, did, did he always have all these alter egos he was the piglets wasn't yes. he um, one million tons in a feather or something yes this weird record which is about is it about toys that are toxic there was a news story about toys dolls that had bits of metal yes. in or something yeah he's done like a, a novelty record it was like a spoof advert as a yeah. song or something he did so much stuff hugely prolific wasn't he apparently yeah. named 10cc as well gave them their name he gave 10cc their name apparently so and do you know what 10cc means well allegedly it's this uh, it's how big a spunk load it is or something isn't it it's a spunk load but it's not that's not true apparently isn't it? no i believe that's an erroneous fact centiliters centiliters center i mean judging by your dream last night mate more than 10cc <laughs> well, i thought he also came up with the name of genesis didn't he as well oh i don't know that was a big namer big name guy big name guy <laughs> and, and the other thing i heard about him the rumor was that he was behind who let the dogs out oh god does promoting cr- it does his crime never end <laughs> you know, the baja any- men what are they called yeah the baja men yeah. Yeah. who let the dogs out wolfity wolf, wolf yeah wolf, still wolf, around wolf. There's not enough songs with dogs in. Do you know how many members the Baha men are? How many Baha men Three. are in? Nine. Nine? There's a lot of them. They were like So Solid Crew. Were they? <laughs> yeah. But you don't need nine members in a band, right? Surely. Well, it depends what kind of band it well, is. Well, if they're playing instruments, fair enough. But if it's just five people standing in a row posing and singing. Oh, yeah, well, it's not. that's not a band to me. That's a mob. Blazing Squad will be turning in their grave. <laughs> it's a squad, mate. 
probably at least half of them <laughs> anyway moving on um so he goes on to say my issue was much like mr silverman he's got an issue has he the vagueness of the guy's request in just 90s music so he asks him is there anything in particular from the 90s you'd like to hear just to give me a baseline of what songs he wanted bit of brit pop alternative maybe mm. something a bit more electronic um uh the man just looked at me with a blank stare with the blankest stare i've ever seen the kind of look that if you held it long enough in a hospital you'd really know that's you yeah. you're reading okay. bad again i am you? also reading bad yeah Anyway, he goes, I really don't know, just some 90s or mid-2000s. So, <laughs> oh, God. so again, I push for something to work with, like an artist or just a song, anything I can work with. And he thinks for a minute, what, and it, what feels like an eternity. Oh, no, don't. And then goes, I don't know, Michael Jackson or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then disappeared into the crowd. Oh, so there rotter, you go. rotter. So thank you, Dylan, who says shine on. I thought he was going to stay uh, like the the Lighthouse family or something like that. Oh, you know? That is the epitome of 90s bland. Yeah. I, when I used to DJ in the early noughties, it was always, always you got any Jamiroquai? Mm. Oh. Got club classics? No, I've been asked to play easy listening at a friend's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do virtual insanity. No one wants it. No one wants to hear Easy Listening. They all want to hear Kylie and Abba and... Paper so lace. Why, yeah, so <laughs> what, were you in, was that your specialty, Easy Listening? Well, I used to play lounge and kind of 60s mod type stuff. Um, nice. And all that kind of new bit of new wave. But generally, loungy, Easy Listening, library music. It used to be part of a club scene, Lenny Beige, uh, Regency Rooms. And right. I always, right. always used to DJ. That was the that was the sort of lounge revival, wasn't it? Yeah, it's part time. of that in the yeah. mid nineties. Oh, that's where we got people like Mike Flowers, Pops, and stuff. Yeah, didn't he, yeah, from yeah. That? yeah. He, he used to come down. I love some of that Did stuff. He? Mm, yeah, what, Mike Roberts, his real name. What's he up to these days? He's still. I went and saw uh, Mike Flowers, Pops a, a few years ago. They're really, really, really brilliant night. You know, because they were great musicians, and uh, yeah, he's still. He was very shrewd, Mike Roberts, because what he did was was something that someone like soft sell they didn't do is when he did Wonderwall was such a big hit he made sure he'd written the B-side which ah. was a track called Son of God on, right. on the CD single so in the old days whenever you would sell that you know you would get a royalty whereas Mark Armand of course didn't because the B-side of Tainted Love was another cover is, yeah where did our love go isn't it so, so he got little did, or no did, money did, from the penny, sales no. and also completely uh, forgotten I've never heard that uh, who you know Tainted uh, soft cells version of um, Where Did I Love Go? People uh, used to get writing credits as payola, as a bribe. Really? Yeah. So what, what, what do you mean? So someone will have, you know, you'd be a, a promoter or a DJ or something. Yeah. And you've got an artist and, you know, they want you to play the record. So you, as payment, you get your name on the on the writing credit. Oh, right. Is any any examples? I can't think of any. Great stuff. <laughs> right. I'll tell you what, though. Since we're on that trip, let's take a quick break and we'll move on to this final selection now. Should we do that? Yay! Yay! I have no other out. Right, we'll move on to the platters then. Because we're all set up. We've got a little record player. Ooh. That's exciting. It's the first time we've ever had a little record player in our little house of Tudor. Or whatever it's called, I don't know what do we call it. Tudor corridor, the Tudor, the Tudor booth. Tudor booth, yeah. Tudor booth, a Tudor booth, Tudor booth, Tudor booth. No, well, well, it's actually mock mock Tudor, isn't it? I guess. What, why is it double mock? <laughs> well, because it, it looks, yeah, it looks it's like... It's pretending to be mock Tudor. pretending to be mock Tudor, isn't it? Uh, so it's mock mock Tudor booth. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the mock mock Tudor booth. The mock mock Tudor booth. Yeah, nice. Actually really like that now, I've said it out loud. So, um, 
we wanted to talk about something very brief to start off. Just very briefly was the death of Alan Hawkshaw. Hawkshaw, who died uh, as of recording yesterday, mm. was it? Or the day yeah, before? a few days ago. Yeah. And we've mentioned him on the show in the past because like, he pops up a lot in Silverman's Platters because when we find these rare, odd vinyl tracks of TV themes or whatever, his name is invariably on a lot of them. Well, he's a huge name, wasn't he, in library music, I think. Yeah, and, you know, he wrote Grandstand. Oh. He wrote Countdown. Do you know every time... I didn't time, know he wrote Countdown. Yeah, every time Countdown is played, um, there's a donation to underprivileged kids who want to learn music. Oh, I did not know that. I so that learned means... that off... off the Twitterverse yesterday. Oh. And, and um, he, you know, so he, he, did gifted, grain... he gifted the royalties. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did Grange Hill, of course. Of course. You know, the Chicken, Chicken Man, Man. Yeah. which was also the theme for... Give us a clue. Give us a clue. That which... so would be such a... Uh, cognitive, uh, but what do they call it? Like it, it would do your head. Lines. It would do your head in if you saw an old, old episode of Give Us a Clue because and they, they played were, the Grange Inn. And they were running thing. concurrently. Yeah, they. I just remember just that. almost screaming at the TV. <laughs> you can't do this, Mum. <laughs> this is the theme tune. To Grange Hill. That, and then Lionel Blair would come on, and you'd really fucking have to bite down. Oh, hang on, I'm sorry. Explain <laughs> what are you biting down on. My what annoyance. Is, what's wrong with Lionel Blair? You've got a real sh- chip on your shoulder today. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Do, do you remember what what the what the theme tune beca- became for "Give Us a Clue"? Uh, At least to go. Give us a clue. Give us a clue with Lionel Blair and Lisa Tarbuck. <laughs> Not Lisa Tarbuck. Lisa Goddard. Lisa Goddard. Give us a clue. Give us a clue. Yeah, and then I like that. Who was yeah. hosting it? Michael Aspel used to host it for a while, or was it? Yeah, Michael it was Parkinson? Aspel, wasn't it? And then was it Parkinson? I don't. Know. I, I quite enjoyed that show, but Blair, yeah. you know, I'd be up all night basically. Maybe you know, <laughs> we go. imbibing, and then it would come on and be like, God, I can't take his energy. You know, <laughs> that's what you don't like about him. Well, hang on a minute. Positive you were up energetic. all night imbibing. That show was over forty years ago. How old were you? When <laughs> yeah, you tr- right. <laughs> it was a repeat. Oh, oh there we go. Oh, he's got Challenge TV. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Used to right. be stoned at three in the morning, getting angry to they, Lionel Blair on yes, Challenge basically. TV. Wow, yeah. what a life you must have led. And then sometimes they put on like. Um, Blankety blank. Which era? The Dawson era. Yeah, that's oh, the best era. Yeah. And I would, I'd love that stuff. Yeah, I think I was watching one recently with uh, Frank Carson on, and like Frank Carson was doing this whole bit throughout his things where like he was taking forever to come up with his answers. Right. And Les Dawson was getting visibly annoyed. <laughs> and so towards the end of the episode, um, Frank Carson goes, I've finished! And Les Dawson goes, in this career you have, mate. And then just walks on, carries on with the show. And it was like such a little bitchy moment. But I was like, that's why we love Les Dawson. Oh, what a fantastic God, yeah. performer. Because to be fair, like Wogan, they both didn't take the format seriously. Mm. It was just Les Dawson kind of really didn't like the format. Well, too and much. also was, you know, a fantastic comedian. Yeah. An improvisatory comedian. Whereas Wogan, you know. Well, didn't, didn't really have the funny chops, did he? No, but he had the charm. genial warmth yeah, and yeah. charm that you needed. And again, he was kind of a bit more flippant with it as well. I, re- I remember the Christmas one when Les Dawson comes on. They've got a big Christmas tree in the studio with all the gifts underneath. He just comes and goes, the shoeboxes pretending to be presents. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he, oh, he's all, he was expert in puncturing the, uh, mm. the, the pretense. and Pretense uh, of it. Because the whole, the whole thing about... 
BBC versus ITV game shows was the ITV mm. could spend more money on prizes, whereas the BBC, due to their remit, weren't allowed to have big prizes on their shows full stop. Certainly up until the mid-80s, when, until things changed. So knowing that, all the prize on Blankety Blank was shit. Well, the checkbook and pen? Yeah, well, you know, they were comparatively <laughs> less exciting I'd than I'd love one of those ITV. now. They must be worth... Well, this is it, isn't it? They yeah. probably are very collectible. There was anything like that in your loft? Any uh... You got a bully from Bullseye? Or... No, not a Jim will fix it, babe. I was going to say, yeah. Nothing I like th- that. No, no. I'm trying to think. I've got, I'll tell you what I do have. I've got a postcard from 1977 from Nationwide. Right. Thanking me for my contribution to Richard Stilgo's section of the show called Pigeonhole. <laughs> okay, I don't remember the pigeonhole segment. Yeah, it was called. Cool. It was. He used to have a bit where it was like a kind of um, consumer bit of the show, and I it, he did this thing called Dust Panorama, where it was about litter, and I had this idea of talking litter bins that say, "Put feed me," you know, "put put something, <laughs> put something yeah. in my mouth," all of that, and uh, <laughs> don't please move on quick before yeah, we take up yeah, your yeah. that. <laughs> and so uh, and and you get a free gift for every uh, thousand person puts litter in. I mean, completely. Impractical, yeah. <laughs> and I drew a picture, and yeah, and they put it on the um, on the program. Oh no, that's on and YouTube. I, no, it's not. I've looked. looked. I even got my mole in the BBC archive to try and find it, but that, I mean, Nationwide was like the one show, wasn't it? it was on it every night. Yes, Nationwide. You know what? I, oh, this has gone off on a tangent. I now, like but... the theme tune to Nationwide. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that's good, that, isn't it? Yeah. Is it like electric guitar and synth or something? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Got it. That's the one. For me, I think it's. I wonder if Hawkshaw had any, uh, any, uh, his finger in that. I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, we meant to be talking about him, weren't we? Sorry, we went off on the tangent about yeah. game shows. So, yeah, he passed away recently, and we've talked about his stuff on the show before. And I just thought it, it, it would be nice to just mention him in passing. Yeah. Because he has passed. He was brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. There's that video that was doing the rounds on Twitter yesterday where he's doing the Champ Live a few years ago in a jazz club. He's a, he's a keyboardist, right? Yeah. That was yeah, his yeah. Uh, instrument. Is yeah. that Hammond organ he's playing? Yeah, he's yeah. great yeah. Hammond. Yeah. I saw him a couple of times live with the KPM All-Stars, which was wow. like the uh, Keith Mansfield Hawksworth, I think. Johnny Hawksworth, I think, was part of it. All these, but here's a bit of trivia. So Go that's on. where I get confused because there's Hawk in yeah, both those yeah, names yeah, yeah. and they work together, right? Yeah, there's Brian Bennett, who's the, the, the shadows. shadows drummer, yeah. So this is kind of a thing they got together to make library music to basically. Bennett did some amazing yeah. funk instrumental yeah, albums. Yeah. Sorry, Paul, you were saying you had a f- factoid. Here well, is a factoid. Here's yeah. trivia. Can you tell me who Alan Hawkshaw's daughter is? Oh, Ms. No. Hawkshaw. Yeah, <laughs> Lady Hawkshaw. Uh, her name's Kirsty, and she had the hit in the 90s, It's Gonna Be a Fine Day Today. Do you remember that one? Oh, yes, God. I do remember that one. She had one. a shaved head and had those... Oh, yeah. Balls. She, Opus 2, was it? They Opus were, 2? Yeah. That's a little uh, bit out of my... It, it's dangling on the edge of my memory, but I don't know. You don't at all. remember that? It was, it was a, everywhere. It was a cover of Ed, Edward Barton, who was like a kind of weird... Uh, left-field poet musician. Oh, okay. And she did a dance version. It's so early 90s, you know, proper candy flip stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right, okay. You don't remember that song? I, I, not off the top of my head. I mean, I... Perhaps if I it. sing it for you, Paul. Please do. It's Go going on. to be a fine day today. It's going to be a fine day tomorrow. It's going to be a fine day today. It's going to be a fine day tomorrow. Yeah, no, it didn't really help, but thank you. Because in my head, I've got, I will see the sunshine after the rain. I want to see bluebirds over the bay. What's that one? Exactly. I remember that shit. No one else does. You don't remember that? Take me dancing. Naked in, in the, the rain, rain. <laughs> feel it washing over me. What about 
Sunshine on a rainy day. You, make my soul, make my soul. You sure make me feel <laughs> like loving you. Oh, that's that sample, isn't it? Donna Thingy-Majig from the 80s. Donna, okay. what's... Serious, the track's called Serious. Yeah, quite good uh, yeah. sort of boogie uh, you pop. Stepped off, you know that, I'm every woman. It's all in me. I always yeah. used to sing, climb every mountain. <laughs> you could, you could do that. That's uh, Shaka Khan. Shaka, Shaka Khan, Shaka, Shaka, Shaka Khan. Her sister was called Ticker Boom. Really? Yes. Oh, see, I don't know, because sometimes you just say random shit, and I go, yeah, that's all right, then you're a liar. Who was that one who did um, Sunshine on a Rainy Day? She was called Zoe, wasn't she? I don't know. There were so many one in and out one-hit Sybil, wonders. Sybil, wasn't it? Yeah. Another one, and Sholorama. Yeah. Oh, God. I know her personally. Yeah. Do you? Yes. What did what, she well, do? She's a very good friend of my sister's. Oh. Lived where I lived in Kilburn. What did she do? What was the song? She did a cover of the Randy Crawford song, You Might Need Somebody. You might need somebody. That. Yeah. I'm going to need somebody who. That yeah. one. Mm. This is a lovely sing song. I will say that. I'm enjoying <laughs> yeah. this. I like the records, do we? Yeah, we don't. So, well, what did we got you. Records. We got yeah, records. We got don't some we? records. So, right. what did you want to play for us today? Well, I didn't. I mean, it's not all music. No, I've those great. Got a few things. Ooh. What is that? Loft's Dance Party. Loft's Dance Party and fun. So, tell us a little bit about Loft's. Loft. Or Loft. Well, he, he's a. Um, I can't remember his name. Jean Carlson, Scandinavian, Swedish. Okay. He was a comedian, actor, and a uh, skilled drummer. And he, he did uh, loads of stuff. He was in movies and sitcoms, and but, and, and he had this band, and they're, they're pretty funky. Now, this, the track I'd like you to play yeah. is called... Viroka int hashish ha I don't know if that's how you pronounce any Swedish <laughs> listeners to the podcast. I do apologize. Hashish, I think. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's hashish. something about you don't have to smoke gear, basically, to have fun. Oh, I quietly disagree, but we'll, we'll yeah. move on. <laughs> but um, I love the back cover. Oh, I love it. Paul, no, are you okay? What? You're saying you have to smoke weed to have fun. No, I'm saying... I mean, I, I mean, do we need to talk about this? No. I mean... All right, well, that's what you kind of said, because I'm worried, you know. <laughs> track three, side two. Yeah, I'll tell you who, who translated it for me. This is a big name drop. The title. Go on. Nicholas Lindhurst. <laughs> <laughs> really? Out yeah. of all the people. Well, he's from. He's got. He's from Swedish stock. Oh, so he can speak course. Swedish. Oh. Uh, You're going to need to take the other platter off the um, yeah, table. I know, I know. Do you need a hand, Paul? No, I've just got to get the right side. Do you want to go smoke some weed cause, like, oh, and make it more sauce. fun? Make this fun. Maybe you'd like to shoot up, perhaps. Yes. Perhaps you'd like to... Ch- I'm getting to the point where I wish I fucking could. Chase the dragon. Chase your dragon. You'll chase my dragon? Yeah. Shut up. I don't know. <laughs> As in what? As I'll in you'll do what? find you in the jungle and toss you off. Now, the cover of this record, he's he's got some... Some stuff on his face, doesn't he? He's got. Well, you have a look at the. Has he got a cake on now, his head? The Del Arsole thing on the back. Ignore that. Del Arsole is on the back. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was for a sketch where we. It, it was on the front of the album originally, and it was an album called. Um, we, the guy was coming into the shop and mispronounced Del Arsole. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> have you got any Del Arsole? This I've never seen anything by this guy. Vi röker inte hashis här i trans Och LSD är ingenting för oss Vi gör vår verktygt som vår kung vill ha den För land och rike vill vi gärna slås 
spioner ringer fester där vi älskar. Sånt sköter vi när ingen annan hör. Vi låter ej vårt hår bli långt och smutsigt. Som knarkarna i T-centralen gör. What's he got on his head, man? It's really disturbing. But it's egg and what's this up in the, up the top? It's like tomato bits or something. <laughs> oh, it is a tomato. Oh, that's nasty. He's got egg and tomato on his face. He's got all tomato seeds on his forehead. <laughs> this is bizarre. There we go, a little snippet of that. That was lovely. Yeah, really nice. So what? So he was mostly known as a comedian actor, primarily. I, 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 I mean, I gather in Sweden, yeah, that is what he was known as. But he obviously had this, I don't know, maybe it's like Desire. Matt Berry or something like that. Yeah, because I was going to say, just based on the little bit we heard and the, the, the track we also heard on side two, which was the Sesame Street theme, a lot of different styles. And, and it wasn't like it was just one type of, like, for instance, when we did the Roy J album, he was basically trying to become a soul singer for the whole of that album mm. because of the songs he was making whereas this seems a little bit more eclectic across the board in terms of stuff you can have fun and in yeah. fact on the on the track listing on the back he's given you a little guide to the the genre so tatty bow bow that's brilliant that tatty bow 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 wow bow wow Sorry. Yeah. Tatty, tatty Bow Wow. Yeah. Yes, like, tatty so it bow was wow. Ken Dodd's dog that we were talking about. It's a song about Ken Dodd's dog. Uh, yeah. Strangers in the Night, Beat Ballad. See, now I just want to hear Sphinx the rest of this Marsh, album. I jazz do. Standard, Swing Beat. That was the Sesame Street theme in yeah. the Swing Beat style. I like that a lot. Oh, pre- it works surprisingly pop well. Pop Dixie, Pop Funky. There's one that's Pop Funky. What's Pop, pop Dixie? What would Pop Dixie be? It's Dixie Pop, isn't it? No, that, Come on. Just change the order of the it's words jazz and then pop. tell me I'm wrong. It's Dixieland with a pop feel. So what, kind of ragtimey? Yeah, no, tried, tried Dixie. You know, it's on Philip Sousa, isn't it? All of that. Oh, of, okay. It's on a steamboat going up the Mississippi music, isn't it? Right, okay. All right, got it. Now I understand. Thank you, Paul. Not just going, ah, Paul, you know, fucking nothing. He knows nothing. I do know nothing, <laughs> but unfortunately, I'm willing to learn. Oh, I'll teach you. You're not going to teach me anything other than how to wank in a jungle. <laughs> so we're going to move on from that. So why did you want to bring that along today? What is it about that that you really like? I just, uh, it was one of these, yeah, I found it in a charity shop. This, it's really unusual when you go to, 
to the record section in, in a Sue Rider. And mm. then you suddenly see, obviously, someone's record collection. And and it's just a load of like Israeli albums or a lot of... Um, There's a uh, lot of Barbra Streisand and that ends yeah. up getting thrown out. Or, or Yeah, or, or German albums, artists. James Last tons of those i love mm. that when you can see and you're trying to read into sort of their mm. personality when you see yeah you think there's obviously from the same yeah, uh, yeah. person's Which collection reminds me a dead me, person's, a dead, a dead person's person. well that reminds me of the point i was going to make actually so i went to uh pinner to go around the charity shops there because there's a great uh saint luke's charity shop there that sells random crazy shit it's one of those charity shops i like that reminds you more of someone's attic than a shop yeah and i bought this album called 50 years of the bbc it was like um what was that British actor with the moustache? Big guy. It was like Leo. I want to say McKern. Yeah, Leo McKern narrates the history of the BBC mm. for the first fifty years with clips thrown in, like yeah. PED and uh, the Queen's. Rumpole of the Bailey, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the top corner on this album, I noticed a little sticker of who it belonged to, Bob Holness. And I was like, it can't be the same oh, Bob no. Holness. But it turned out, yeah, it was Bob Holness because he lived in Pinner. That's nice. It had his address and his number of whatever year he bought the album. The seventies. Nice. So it was know. out of it. It was. Um, like he was listing his, you know, the people used to sort of, what do they do? Catalogue their own yeah. collection. He just had a little, yeah. very professional little sticker on the corner that said, and it Bob was numbers, Holness. was it? Yeah. No, just Bob Holness, his address and his phone number for some strange really? reason. I call him up and say, I got your record, Bob. No, he's dead, isn't he? That's, cool. that's one of the problems with returning things to people. Call him up anyway. So what I got your say? record, Bob, and perhaps we'll get through to the afterlife. It, it's always sad when you, you see signed stuff in charity shops. You think, what a journey that's been on. Yeah. I bought um, a 12-inch a while back signed by all the members of the Inspiral Carpets. That's lived and the you life. Think, wow. I, and it's not even like one of the uh, records you remember. So mm. it's obviously when they were kind of on their uppers. Yeah. But you think someone must have met them and had that signed. Carried it with why them. Would you, why would you just... just give it to a charity shop i mean i found a book the meaning of life book signed with a personalized message by michael palin really yeah saying make sure this book doesn't fall into the wrong hands michael palin from whenever the book came out well it it has fallen the meaning of life or 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 lift the meaning of lift uh i know it's a hard hard uh, back I don't think so. No, it, it was a it was a film tie-in book when Meaning oh, of Life. Oh, Python. For oh, Python. Yeah. Okay, I've got it. Sorry, I wasn't I've got a hardback edition of it. Yeah, oh. no, I've got the softback yeah. one. But... Why did he get rid of it then? Well, maybe because he he he's, he's burning comedy history away for some strange. I don't know. But can I just mention up. this? Uh, Lofts got he's got a fucking mess on his face on the cover of this. It's foam. He's got like tomatoes. The seeds are all coming down. There's a little bubble of fucking spit coming fat <laughs> out his lips. <laughs> He's got egg, and he's got all nasty, creamy stuff. But isn't that good, though? It shows he has a lack of vanity, and he's a fun-time guy. I well, don't know. Said, you know that up-the-arse corner in Vizcom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's definitely something he's going on He's molesting a lady in black and white on the back as well. Oh, but there's some other albums on the back here which show him in a bit more of a kind of... Oh, no, that... Is he doing Lofter's Glenn Miller? And Lofter's Pop and Party? Paul. Latin America. Can you say a... something for me? Yes. In a French accent. Go on. Happiness in the household. Happiness in the asshole. <laughs> is that, I mean, that's what you wanted that's me to say. That's what I want. That's what I want from you. The problem is, you know, if you just said, Paul, will you say a penis, a penis in, in the, the arsehole? arsehole. I, I would just also say that. Yeah. Uh, all right, next. All right, wonderful. I'm going to give that actually four. That's it. Four. I like that a lot. Number. And I definitely will be picking up 
anything I see by him if I see something yeah. in the charity shop. Right, because that was that looks really fun. I just look, the music's pretty good, and they're having a they're having some kind of studio party. Perhaps that's when he's bumming her. Right, should we move on then? Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. I love these kind of records. I've I've spotted it. Talking budgerie girls with Philip Marsden. It's a it's a budgie training record. Oh mate, have I told that story on the podcast before? About my mate who had a budgie called. I told you it, didn't I? Recently, this, I'll make it really brief. Mate, man had a budgie. He called it. Oh, what did he call it? Twinkle or something? I can't fucking remember now. And it was you know he's trying to make it talk. So for like a year straight, my mate would just talk to his budgie and say. Say twinkle, say twinkle, twinkle, say twinkle. And then he left a cassette overnight playing on a loop that would have his voice saying, say twinkle, twinkle. Anyway, I go over to his one weekend for a stay over. We're sitting in the kitchen, you know, having breakfast in the morning. And all of a sudden from the cage, we hear the, the bird go, twinkle, flutter, and then die and just fall off the perch. Oh my and it God. died right there and then. And I think it was just too much for him. The kind of weird kind of <laughs> Gulf War torture tactics it was under at the time. Yeah. Um, so Philip Marsden, although budgerigars are native to Australia, they have been domesticated in many countries for well over a century. Blah, 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 blah. In, oh, I didn't know that in America they're known as parakeets. I actually didn't know they were one and the same thing. I did not know that either because oh. you get a load of parakeets, don't you, in parks in, yeah. in London now. Squawking, flying around. The little green budgerigar was discovered by Philip Marsden in the BBC Cage Words contest in 1958. Now, what is this record? Is this a record of talking budgerigars, or is it to train it, them to, to speak? It's to train them, and there's a bit of... T- it's, just listen to the opening. All right, let's listen to the opening, for that then, is why we are here. It's quite actually, it's quite interesting, really, and as it says on the back cover, which I thought was astonishing, because I thought, nah, shut up. Um, they're saying that it's, it is not faked, this is the voice of this budgie. So right. they are proclaiming that nothing you hear on the album has been... Has been, like, modular. done on a... So on they're a... using a budgie to teach your budgie to speak. Yeah. Because yeah? <laughs> why? It's easier for them to pick it up if a budgie's saying it. I don't, I don't get that. But it's actually mildly terrifying as well. They call me pretty sparky. I'm just a little bad. But I can talk and shut up all the day. No street by me. That was the voice of my old friend Sparky Williams, undisputed talking champion of the budgie world, and I can't imagine we'll ever see his like again. You'll hear him often in this recording, not only to entertain and interest, but also to demonstrate just what a bird can do when he's been properly trained and cared for. Not all birds are as capable as this, and not many owners either. But the system behind the training is no secret, and side two of this record will describe it in detail. On side one, I hope to tell you enough about the Bajrigard to provide at least a basic understanding of his capabilities and needs, because it's only through understanding that one can really come to terms with another creature, be it human, animal, bird, or even fish. Few birds have been more closely studied than the Melopsiticus undulatus, that's his scientific title, and consequently, we are no strangers to his makeup. We do know what makes him tick, both physically and psychologically. And since he's basically such a simple and straightforward little character, you don't have to be a genius to understand him. You don't need an academic turn of mind to be able to train him and teach him to talk. And you don't need to be a vet to keep him healthy and happy. Three things you do need are love, patience, and a little practical knowledge of the essential needs of this lively little creature whose life is literally in your hands. The fact that you're listening to this record, I think, suggests that you're already well equipped with the first two requirements. 
And that being so, it's a real pleasure to me to be able to offer you the third. And there's something slightly sinister about his his voice as well. What it sounds like when you play the budgie is when you hear tapes of ghosts talking. You know, when you hear the, oh, I went to an old church and I recorded this voice. And it's like, that budgie sounds like a, an EVP. I, I thought it was one, one of those very early uh, vocoders. But I, I, yeah. But I went on YouTube and thought, no, I'm not having this, and looked up talking budgies. Now with contemporary, you know, clips. Mm. And yeah. It's, they it's do. for real. Yeah, that is that first sentence that that budgery god said was quite long and, and complicated. It's <laughs> yeah, not like no. he was just doing a bell impression. No, or, no, it was like a full sentence. It was a full with sentence. inflection, <laughs> diction, and yeah. yeah. That's why I was kind of like, that's fake, right? It just sounds like his wife talking through a toilet roll. Yeah, but no, apparently, um, it, I've listened to um, contemporary budgies, and they all <laughs> have that similar sort of voice. That's I don't know why they're not as good. That. They're not as good at talking as uh, parrots, though, are they? Well, no. Or minor birds, no. Or major birds, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Fable the raven. I don't care. Uh, there's this raven I watch on YouTube. Fable. He's got his own channel. And um, the the trainer, yeah, has set up uh, a video camera in the hutch mm. where Fable lives. And they've got this footage of Fable practicing talking. Yeah, it's really crazy stuff. What, is it the bird just in the background with the glass of water going? Me, it's me, 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 modulating me, the tone and sort of playing with the tone. So it's like hello, 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 hello. it's like Aphex Twin or something, you know. I guess that's what like impressionists do though when they're trying to get their voice right for whatever. Modulating they, it. They're, yeah. they're always trying to find the pitch and they're yeah, staring yeah. and they're looking at their mouth and things. So yeah, love a Corvid me. A what? A corvid. A corvid. What kind of bird's that? Blackbird, crows, ravens, oh, magpies. Oh, right. The whole, the whole genus. Any type. I like, I like a corvid. Yeah. But that is a peculiar record because it's, it's sort of showing off this talking budgie and sort of uh, teasing you, trying to get you to listen to the whole thing to yeah. teach you how to train your budgie. <laughs> but I'm sure records exist that are literally just play this while you're bu- while asleep and the budgie. Yeah. Will, yeah, yeah. You know. And you hear those stories just, of like parrots who help solve crime because for some reason they've. They repeat. Oh, yeah. There's a st- I can't remember the details, but there was a story about a murder that happened and the, the case was solved because a parrot happened to repeat. It was him. Yeah. Did it go, it was him. Well, judging by this album, it said, it is Philip Marsden of 223 <laughs> Smith Street in Harrow. You know, it'd be like, it's the whole fucking address yeah, and yeah. attitude problem. <laughs> Although the whole thing says on here, uh, Sparky will sing, Mary had a little lamb, little Jack Horner, Jack and Jill, hey diddle diddle, they call me pretty Sparkle, two little dicky birds and stay away to heaven. Has he got any 90s though? <laughs> uh, no, he hasn't got any 90s. <laughs> he don't, no, he don't, no, I'm wrong. It says sunshine after the rain. So yeah, that is in here. Uh, ha, 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 uh, you uh-huh. sure do. <laughs> uh, it reminds me as well of that program, uh, Animal Crackers. No, uh, what Magic. was it called? It was called Johnny Morris. It was called Pet Emergency <laughs> Pet Rescue. No, Animal Pet Vicious. It was attack. called Pet Therapy or something. And it was like three little short films about different pets that had different problems. <laughs> and there was one that was a parrot, and the man had died. There was an old married couple, and the husband had died. Yeah. And the parrot was grieving, basically. Yeah. And, you know, was stressing out, pulling its feathers out. And the wife was like saying, Yeah, it's really, it's bad because I can just, I can hear Graham's voice from the other room, like through the parrot, you know, because it's been in the family for years. It does now it's of, effectively a it's ghost. Like I can hear my dead husband talking, like, you know. That's crazy. And there was a, there was a rabbit that you had to change the nappy on. <laughs> well, 
There is new information brought to the table, <laughs> and I want to know why a rabbits weren't a nappy. Because it had some problem, big problem. The rabbit had a big problem, <laughs> and the woman was devoted to it and had to change its nappy, and I just thought, oh, come on, you've got to give up on the rabbit, you know? <laughs> what would you do with it? Just cave its head in with a hammer? No, I would I would go to the vet and say, could you please put my rabbit down, because I don't want to deal with nappies. <laughs> It's not the quality of life for the rabbit wasn't great. No, well, you don't know, do you? Maybe he liked the nappy. I'm sure he liked the attention, but it... anyway. Would you like to wear a nappy for the attention? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, Kilburn. It's the nappy DJ. He's on. Oh. He comes on halfway through his set. He leans down and goes, I need a wipe wipe. D- and someone <laughs> from the audience comes up and changes him while you're playing <laughs> something from the 90s. <laughs> Is this another one of your dreams? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about the main feature today. So, oh, looking forward to that. I am. Right, the finale of the show, I've decided we're going to scrap the board game part of the thing because uh, it's just going to eat into time, but it does give us plenty of opportunity to talk about the subject the board game is based on. So a few, uh, actually a year ago now, I went to a charity shop in Archway and found uh, this board game, New Faces, The Game, by Palatoy, which were... Am I right in thinking they, they, they're the ones who sold the Star Wars figures? Action Man. It was Action Man? Yeah. Oh, I thought they were in charge of the branding of Star Wars in the UK because Kenner sold it in America and in the UK it was on the Palatoy. I don't know. But it's more likely you're right with the Action Man thing. And this is a board game based on the successful talent show New Faces, which I believe was an ITV show or ATV. So it would be, you have different regional stations, you know. Grandy. Anglia. uh, Argos. I don't know why I said Argos. (laughs) Southern. LWT, Thames, yep. Thames, yeah, Granada is what I went to say, not yeah. Argos. I was Grundy? Was Grundy one? No, they were. That was Australian. That's Australian. They made, they made neighbours. Ah, oh, look at my underpants. Red Grundy. Grundy. What I love about the board game is that wonderful bleached colour. Oh. It's all bleached out on the edge. I love that. That has been in someone's window for a long time. That really does. It, that really does tickle the old nostalgia uh, button, doesn't it? When it's bleached out, the old colours all sand bleached. I've got. I, I love. My favourite bleached out things have to be photographs of celebrities in fortune teller windows. <laughs> on yeah. seaside fronts. It's always that kind of turquoise you know. There's always a picture of some old lady with mysticism and beads hanging off her, and then a picture of like Dennis Waterman on her shoulders, yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, also, I love... Um, Billy Dainty or something. I love, <laughs> I love Chinese restaurants that have faded photographs of the food. <laughs> of the, uh, the menus and things like that. Or just the pictures of the food themselves. Pictures of the food. What? Why are you Why looking at me angry? I was asking a pertinent question. Just what would be? Why would it be a picture of a menu? I, I, I just, thought the menu had faded. Well, it might have, but we're talking about. Oh, oh whatever. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> fuck this. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck sick off. to the fuck pit of my last stomach. Episode. So this is a, and on the box you've got. Now here's the thing I didn't know, right? So on the box you've got a picture of the host, which I believe, looking at this, is a Garrett called Derek Hobson. Derek Hobson, yeah. Who, who was a reasonably well-known TV presenter and radio personality or something at the time, something like that. Yeah. And then there's a guy in a flat cap with a, a cartoon big nose. guy. I like him. Was that the logo? Was that like? The... Yeah, he's he's supposed to be this sort of everyman commoner. Right. He's become famous and wearing a snazzy suit and a guitar. And but also it he's got like... a sort of flat cap on as well. well. It looks to me like a Bob Godfrey animation who did Rhubarb and Custard. Yes, and Henry's Cat. Yeah, all those things. 
the style of it definitely looks like a Bob Godfrey. They were great, those Bob Godfrey. Yeah. He used I, to do OTT, the, the Tiz Was Adult yeah. version, didn't he? And, yeah. And used to do all the kind of... Interstitials se- in between. Yes, yeah. and, and sexy lessons cartoon. <laughs> was there a Tiz Was it's Blue? Yeah. There was a Tiz well, Was night. Midnight Blue. Yeah, it was, it was called OTT. It used to be on uh, LWT, was it? Yeah. Chris Tarrant, Alexis Sale was on it. He but, pops up everywhere, Sale, doesn't he? Because mm. we were talking about his YouTube cycling channel. Yeah. yeah. No, he was in it. It was uh, Sally James, um, Chris Tarrant. <laughs> and it was basically... Um, well, tis, Chris tis Tarrant was swearing. Tis was, was he like, fuck? No, no it, it was wasn't. just loads of boobs and bums. And, Lenny uh, Henry John was on it as well, wasn't Lenny the Henry. They were all, all the Tis was lot. Yeah. And it was all just... Yeah, it was just a kind of... Apart from Spit the Dog, he was not allowed because they knew what he got up to at late night. Oh, Spit right. roast the dog. The dog. Yeah. Is that is that really what you had to offer? That's what I've got. I've got loads of these. You've got Bob Carroll News at one end yeah. and Chris Tarrant at the other, and they're both using Spit the Dog like a finger trap for dicks. And what was that, that monkey, what what was that monkey ad? What monkey ad? Yeah, monkey when I ate that duck. No, that's a different... That's, <laughs> you've gone you're into... thinking about Keith Harris. <laughs> imagine him at the front, no. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Sorry. Doing a sex act. I, don't I think have I... to imagine Keith Harris. I don't think I ever saw New Faces. The first one of those that I remember is Stars in Their Eyes. But that's different, isn't it? Well, Stars yeah, in Their Eyes was... karaoke, wasn't it? Stars basically. Yeah, Stars in Their Eyes is karaoke, but New Faces was actually like X Factor or something, a proper it, talent. Very much yeah. of its time. Yeah. It was the... It was also... There was also Opportunity Knox, which we'll talk about a bit later, but I do remember New Faces, but I remember the Marty Kane era, where they had Spaghetti Junction, and the lights that would go up the board for who was the best act of the night, right. and she would say, hit your buttons now! And did they have and celebrity, they, a panel they, of celebrity guests? Well, they, well, they did... They did revive it in the late 80s because it was an early mid-70s show they, yeah. with Nina Mishkoff, didn't they? I remember. That was the uh, 80s one. Yes. I, I think remember. the Marty Kane one was the 80s refresh. Oh, right, yeah. Because she won it and then went on to present it. Oh, I see. Because uh, it was done in a theatre rather than in a yeah. studio. And that's the weird thing. It's like people go, oh, Britain's Got Talent reinvented it. It's like it's kind of exactly the same as New Faces. You right. get a panel of judges and one of them's a dickhead. Yeah. The only difference is, is that Simon Cowell was a dickhead that made millions off the back of other people's misery, and Nina Mishkow was just a miserable woman who everyone hated and didn't get really anything <laughs> yeah. out of it. Really, well, that came what came down to it. Well, in the seventies version, it was the one of the panelists. You know, you'd have people like Arthur Askey and was uh, Tony Hatch. Tony Hatch, who, who he was the kind of the precursor of Nasty Nigel and Simon oh, really? Simon Cowell. He was horrible on it. Tony Hatch was a, a, a composer and he songwriter and theme tune. He did Crossroads, Neighbours, yeah. Yeah. Man oh. Alive. Um, Wasn't he's... he the head of Water Rats as well? The Grand Water Rats? Yes, that did come up somewhere. Uh, some kind of Masonic entertainment charity organisation. Yes. Something like that. He was married to Jackie Trent, who had a big hit in the 60s with... Where are you now? Yeah, a talented guy. I mean, he was a bit, he was quite ruthless, though. It's the same with Mickey Most, who used to be a, a, oh, yeah, a, a, a panellist as well. He was, he could be quite I harsh. really want to check this out. Cause it I don't, says here. I've he, never seen Mickey Most or Tony Hatch. I'd like flesh. to see them, like, in action. Oh, you right. know their work, but not their... Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mickey Most was in, uh, he did, like, Rod Stewart. Yeah, he's a producer. He was a big producer, and he had his studio down in uh, St. John's Wood. Yeah, so right. talent show, it began in... I'm, just, I'm obviously just using Wikipedia at this point because I want to get the facts right. Um, it started in 1973 and ran till 78 and then was revived for Central TV in 86 and ran till 88. The judges that they had over the course of those shows were Tony Hatch, Mickey Most, Arthur Askey, mm. Ted Ray, I don't know the name of, Ed Stewart, 
Uh, is that Ed Stewart? Stewart, yeah. Ted we Ray. Got... He was a comedian. Ray's a laugh. Oh right, yeah, it's that he, guy. He, yeah, he was in um uh, one with Petula Clark. What was that show on the radio? Anyway, him. him. Uh, we all got uh, Alan Freeman. Not off. Not off. <laughs> yeah, he was great. Yeah. Uh, Lonnie Donegan. Lionel Blair, Ingrid Pitt. Lonnie Donegan? Yeah, Lonnie Ingrid Donegan. Ingrid Pitt? He was like... <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Isn't Lonnie choices. Donegan... Rock on the line. Uh, rock on the line. Yes. I believe the original it. My old man did us men. He oh, yes. did us men. No, I'm thinking, who he did was... rock on the line? Did Lonnie Donegan do things ain't what they used to be? Or... That's this is not Holloway. The, this is not the Lonnie Donegan memorial <laughs> show. <laughs> who did rock on the line? <laughs> don't stop saying it. I don't Isn't know who, what you say. Cypress saying. Hill? No. You know, the skiffle. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, but rock, I can't remember. The top it's of like head. the precursor to British rock and roll. Yeah, rock, rock and a lane is all mine, all mine. <laughs> rock and a lane is all mine. Uh, who else? Uh, Terry Wogan and Noel Edmonds, mate. If I was on a show, New Faces, and Noel Edmonds was judging me, I'd walk out and say, I'm "Not having you judge you me, mate." Can. How dare you fucking judge me? How dare you? <laughs> it wouldn't go very well. Um, so, so Hatch was a bit of an arsehole. That is a bit disappointing because I well, kind of admire his his, uh, well, his theme been... tunes. He might have been firm. Yeah, that's the thing. And you look at the winners of like the famous winners of New Faces, and it like it reads as a as a as a who's who of light entertainment of the seventies and eighties. So you've got Marty Kane, Lenny Henry, Michael Barrymore was discovered on it. Joe Pasquale, Uh, the Chuckle Brothers. Wow, started on that in seventy four. Back then they were called Paul and Barry Herman. I know there's not much to get out of that. I don't know why I let that hang like it was some revelation <laughs> when actually it's just their surname. So you saw the Chuckle Brothers when they appeared on the show? No, no. I, I looked up who had won it and I was very surprised to see the Chuckle Brothers. Not all winners. Someone just appeared and didn't really get to like, there used to be rounds and people would go on to the finale and yes. the finale wouldn't blah, blah, blah. Uh, Roger DeCourcy, Victoria Wood, Mick Miller, Les Dennis, Shawadi Wadi, Patty Boulay. I remember her. She got the maximum 120 points. That's why they pointed her out. Uh, Sweet Sensation from Manchester, fronted by 50 year old Marcel King who went on to become the first British born soul band to hit the number one spot in the UK charts with Sad Sweet Dreamer Ah, I've got one by them which is Tony Hatch written Really? Mr Cool So do you think they won this Is it and Mr then... Cool? It's quite funky It's like a Brit disco thing I don't know Written by Tony Hatch That maybe that Hatch liked them took and, them on and after the show them. Oh, right, right. And then Chubby Brown and Paul Zenon the uh, magician So this is the board game anyway and the board game I is do, interesting I like the artwork of it It's, it's nice vibrant colours nice uh, cartoon illustrations of the audience Very so, 70s It's very 70s and and If you look at the, the, the groups of people the cartoons yeah. it's Mrs Slocum <laughs> yeah. um, Michael Burke William Woolard, Scylla Black, Graham Sa- Garden, Graham I think, Garden, in the middle. Sally Thompson. Yeah. Judy I can recognise Scylla Black, yeah. <laughs> what, that one? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. That's Scylla, isn't it? Laura, Laura laughs. Yeah. Uh, and Greta Thunberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on the outside ring and you've got to collect. Thunberg gets everywhere, back in time. It's funny because the outside ring, there's three rings, right? On the outside ring, you go around until you collect your act because you have to pick an act to be magician, uh, musician, comedian, mime artist. You know what? Is that a mime, thing? But you know why? Because a mime artist did win New Faces one why, year by doing it, being in a in a wind by tunnel, by holding a suitcase in a yeah, wind tunnel. It's yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, then, if you collect enough of your points, you go to the middle ring, which is the actual New Faces game, and that's when you bring out this thing, which is a uh, audience meter that you spin. Oh, I like that as well. And they're either yawning or applauding, so they you win points based ah, on if the audience like it. She was yawning. Oh, 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 oh! Is she yawning? Ooh. 
Is she opening? Is she yawning? Well, I don't know. It's flipping back. It's, it's in an equilibrium between applauding yeah, yeah. and yawning. Why isn't yeah. it stopping yet? This is really haunting. So she's, uh, <laughs> Tired but enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> it's still moving. It looks like she's putting something in her gob. I think it's the ghost of Marty Kane <laughs> making it happen. Is she dead, Marty Kane? Yeah, sadly she uh, did die. Died very young. Yeah. I think it was, but yeah, she was a genuine talent that died way too soon. Yeah. Uh, and then the inside ring is when you've won new faces. You go on the career path and it's like, bad night at a casino, income tax, pay your agent £1,000. And then if you perform at the um, holiday summer show, you get a 1000 quid for that. £5,000 if you uh, perform for the Prince of Wales. I guess it's, ominous. it's different from something like uh, X Factor or, or Britain's Got Talent in that it's, it was in a whole world of light entertainment and variety that still sort of existed. Do you see what I mean? Well, it, it fitted into that world, whereas like Britain's Got Talent is in a sort of vacuum. There's no sort of structure anymore that well, it could fit into a sort of yeah and it's also half the people you just know are established European acts mm. and you think well so it's it's not like new faces because these people are clearly professionals and they're not even from Britain well I was always confused about the winner of the first series of Britain's Got Talent was a dog which doesn't say a lot about the talent in this fucking country if a dog wins it bring in dogs over here <laughs> that's why yeah. we voted Brexit to stop dogs winning Britain's Got Talent <laughs> yeah yeah um it's an Alsatian. It's in the bloody breed. But what those sh- these shows like New Faces and Opportunity Knox did was they democratised the talents that you could get on screen because there still was that sense of to be on TV, you had to have that received pronunciation. You still had to mm. go through all the proper channels and mm. the posh schools and the Jack. But now with New Faces, it was like people from the far corners of the UK. Yeah, yeah. Lenny Henry, who was, you know, Birmingham, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, so you more, don't get many Birmingham More working accents. class, regional, yeah. that yeah, type yeah, of thing yeah. people could get through. That's good. And do we think Lenny Henry is the most famous winner? Yes and no, because it, it's like on new faces. I'm, I'm, I suspect he is, isn't he? In terms of like his legacy and his standing in his career, yes, he's obviously the most successful. But like, it took him a while, I think, off the back of new faces to really cement himself. Whereas a lot of these kind of shot up, hovered high, and then dropped off into nowhere. Yeah, he he had uh, longevity. So in his he career, just fucking Lenny worked. Henry, well, like yeah. Victoria Wood, of course. Yeah, Victoria, yeah. Victoria Wood. Wood yeah. The interesting thing is that when you look at what we're going to talk about now, the albums and stuff like that is like tastes don't change audiences would still rather have a singer win a talent show than a comedian or a pantomime thing because they if you sing a sad song you're guaranteed a round of applause and everyone goes oh can't they sing a sad song well so like this album that i got of opportunity not it's all ballads it's it's like 80 percent ballads uh, and then one band called airborne which is doing some weird beatles knockoffy kind That's of a bit thing farty isn't yeah. it yeah and they're kind of doing this kind of, you know, like. Do they do steamy windows? No, they don't do steamy windows. <laughs> Airborne. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you're Watch very out. fan of the steamy windows fart gag from last week. Yeah. Watch out, it's Airborne. <laughs> <laughs> so we still like it. Britain's Got Talent and X Factor still every year give us a big ballad. And also, the, the, they've kept up a tradition of having these novelty acts because in the 70s we had people like Tony Holland, I think his name was. He used to do the musical um, Muscle Man. Oh, the dirt. And he movies deltoids and he's oh yeah dancing deltoids and they'd all flip around and he'd make a cavity appear and he's tummy and he'll bob the tray Blackman is he the guy who hit himself with a tray smash his head with a bob the tray yeah you get a tray you know you'd have served in a bar when you get on the side of the bar and he'd be smashing his head I remember smashing my head and there must have been all these kids getting these aneurysms <laughs> but he, he was huge though he appeared in a few movies and I like, don't remember any of this well, that's the thing There's a, the 70s and mm. 80s has this weird kind of bubbling pot of talent mm. and some lifted to the top and went and did well and then some just like like a Roy J 
l- lit large for a yeah. small amount of time and then imploded. Yeah, it's funny. We were going back to Budgerigars, the another one of those. I don't know whether it was on a talent show. We had Percy Edwards, who used to imitate birds and animals, and he would regularly be on these shows to come on. I love and it. See, that's it. Do an impression it's for... of a chaffinch and that. <laughs> Variety. It's, you don't get variety. I'd love to see some bloke do a chaffinch. But, but there's a great story, just quickly, about go, when go Barry, Barry Cryer met Percy Edwards in the late 70s. And he said, how, how are you keeping, Percy? I haven't seen you for a while. And he goes, I'm all right, Barry. I've just done this very strange job. I had to do all these noises for this new film. And the film that he provides the noises for was Alien. Really? So all that... <laughs> That's Percy Edwards. Ah, oh, this fascinating to go from birds to xenomorphs. Good work, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, terrifying noises. Yeah, they must have had. Doesn't I mean, he? They when must he, have had chest to use burst it for scene, he, he makes a little squeaky noise there, doesn't he, or something? I think. Yeah, it's all Percy Edwards, apparently. That's so funny because they must have had to have reused it for the sequels and things yeah, like that yeah. because it's so iconic. Paul, yes. Can I just mention one thing? I bought an, a single by Ben Calder, right? Called "Great Men Repeat Themselves." It's like a comedy record, American right. comedy record. And it turns out, I looked into it, and it turns out he's an actor, and he's the person who did the Wilhelm scream. Oh, That's right. the guy who did the scream? Yeah. So what did he do it originally for? Like some Western or something, I don't something, know. It? I just, it was on the Wikipedia page. But it was a, it's a bizarre, like, comedy record. And it's not listed as one of his releases, this one I, I found. Yeah. Great men repeat themselves. And it's sort of like a, a sort of country. It's like a country spoof-y. novelty comedy. Novelty spoof thing. Seven-inch thing. Well, we'll do it on the show yeah, at we'll one do point. it on the I show. I, I love hearing things. I, I learned... Uh, this year that the guy who does I can't remember the name of the actor oh this is terrible isn't it who does the voiceover at the beginning of The Incredible Hulk oh uh, yeah you know this kind of deep Dr. I love David that Burnham. do you know who that is? no no. Lurch from the Adams family oh, yeah <laughs> and he had a he had a single the Lurch he had the, there was Lurch mania for about three weeks I think yeah, yeah, sometime yeah. in the I, 60s I saw yeah, a profile yeah. on that guy he was extremely prolific yeah, and yeah. quite tragically he had acromedley didn't he? yeah uh, yeah, yeah. And he he died quite young, but he was very, and he was always cast as the as yeah. the freak or the monster, a bit like Richard Keel, and he yeah, uh, and he wanted to be taken seriously as an actor, and he couldn't be. Peter Serafanovich told me something. Also, sourcing these obscure vocal things, he he was doing a something in the states and got chatting to this guy who told him he was in the audience for the Hanna Barbera cartoons. <laughs> Where you have the audience laughter. Wow. So all the can stuff? All the can stuff. It was just his father was a sound editor and, and just got all the local kids to sit in a garage <laughs> and watch Top Cat and whatnot, Scooby-Doo, and tape their laughter. I always so thought... they actually found it funny? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I mean, yeah. And I guess they, they must have reused all that stuff because that laughter yeah. always sounds familiar when you hear yes. those episodes. On this Ben Calder record, he references Batman and uh, Yogi Bear and... Uh, a lot of well, stuff like that. All the like Tomcats and stuff like that. Yeah. That was the great thing about Hanna-Barbera. It's like, what's popular on TV? Right, we're going to do a cat version of it. Like, you know, because yeah. like Top Cat was basically the Phil Silvers show. Yeah. And Flintstones was the Honeymooners yes. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's yeah. like they had a very good formula. Scooby-Doo was the Rosetta Stone of Bob- Hanna-Barbera's yeah. success. Because once that was big, they made 80,000 other shows yeah, with yeah. that same yeah. concept. The new Schmoo. The new Schmoo show. Buford Files. Rubik, do you remember Squidly Diddly, Do you remember Squidly Diddly? Yes, we all know Squidly Diddly. And if you did, if you did remember Squidly Diddly, you'd know it's not a clone of Scooby Doo, it's Yogi Bear. Well, no, because Squid is the bear, and then there's the keeper, and it's about them. What's yeah, it? I so thought it's not had... Yellowstone, Jellystone Park, it's in somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Is, God, there's a band here I've just noticed, by the way, called Ground Pepper. 
And this song was called Dracula Mania in February 1975, but there's no other information on it here. A comedy group called Pyramid? Uh, the skinhead uh, reggae band from the late 60s. Bad Manners. Simmerip. No, a bit before Bad Manners. Yes, Simmerip, yes. They're called Simmerip. My boots, they did the boots yeah, made for yeah, walking. And skinhead Moonstomp and yes, all of that. Yes, great, great stuff. I didn't realise that the name is Pyramids Backwards. They were the pyramids. It's, it's like Dr. Acula all over again, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there was um, also, there was a, I think it was a subsidiary of Trojan, or pit, there was a pyramid label. Mm. Paul, yeah. Mr. Putner, he brought in a New Faces record, which I didn't know existed, but it makes sense because, as I say, we talked about Opportunity Knox, which had a different bunch of hosts, like Bob Monkhouse presented it for a while, didn't he? Yes, Bob uh, says Opportunity Knox. We never had the gong show in this country, did we? You know, the, the old no, we didn't have show. our uh, we didn't remake it did we no think, yeah. they did you show would've... it on late night tv yeah, though, they did, the american yeah. but one. you'd think yeah. britain would be great for shit like the gong show where some mad fella comes up inflates a water bottle and then sings i'm the man of the mountain or something you know didn't that, that jerry sadowitz show have a have an element of that which one sort of talent the I, element the bbc show you know the people versus yeah. jerry yeah jerry well that's it they had to come and convince him and they sort of yeah. they had a little bit didn't they yeah well no Ooh. one would ever see it again because he takes it down off youtube anytime anything with jerry's stuff he has it removed so Why? his bbc show's not on there as well nothing you can't see anything yeah he's all he's like he's a quiet man but the minute anything pops up of his he gets it taken down he's quite on top of it in that respect but the only thing he can't get taken down is ebenezer good Oh, of course. Yeah. He, was in a, he was in a video with Terry Hall when he had that taken down. You really? Think, well, we did pay you for the day, you know. It's like... Why? Because he doesn't want anyone using his image. I don't understand. Or he, he wants to get paid. Or I don't... No, well, it's... I know he had a bad time making that BBC show mm. he did. I, mean, I think that six episodes of his it's sketch show, magic show, whatever. Paul, I like it. Paul yeah. Bearer's Review. The Paul Bearer's Review is mm. one of my favourite things in the 90s growing up. I remember I taped that and watched it over and over. I bet it doesn't stand up too much now if I watched it back, but I do remember that was a big influence on me growing up. It's a up, shame. But yeah, but uh, yeah. Sorry, what was the point of him? Why do we... Where am I? Because <laughs> <What have laughs> we we're talking about Jerry Sadowitz oh, and yeah. a talent show element. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm linking stuff. It was I'm... also Search for a Star, which was a Dave Wolf was the winner of that. I only think that ran for one series. I just I just kind of wish that when these talent shows, you know, because they're always going to be talent shows. It's a nice way of getting audiences and it's an, it's it's great weekend entertainment. It's just that they always seem to be led towards singers. It's like, I, I kind of wish there was a show that didn't have singers in because you've got X Factor yeah. on those shows. So why not if you have a talent show magicians and acrobats and... yes but this is what goes back to what i was saying there was a there was a whole world of variety that existed so yeah i think part of the reason that it's all towards singers now is that you know these people don't arise organically yes, novelty acts don't arise yes there's no musical club circuit no, like yeah. that and there's certainly like a bottleneck now when it comes to that so the talent can work on a circuit they work in men's clubs and things like that but then once they want to go any further it, it's just jammed because from that point on it's like oh no we only want people who can sing or do a good half-hour set. It's like there's not much need for a person who can make fancy bubbles or play play the spoons or something. Like yeah, that. it's a shame. I got fed up when they who was it? Was it Diversity with the first dance dance troupe? Yeah, yeah. And then they suddenly every year they would have someone like that, and they were very talented and that, but they'd all use the same tricks and have the same music mm. where it all would stop and go. Yeah. <laughs> doing all of that and i just think why doesn't simon cow said no 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 we've had this yeah we've, we've yeah. had this do something different uh that's going to be an olympic sport breakdancing is it yeah officially bullshit yeah 
How mm. is that going to be like? What like they'll pick a piece of music like a kind of dancer in a square would do? You know the whole acrobatics, and they do this to the corners. <laughs> you know they have a corner, and then they run to another corner doing that. What the fuck are you on about, mate? What's it called when they do that? And the I women, don't the know girls what you're doing. They're all doing the dancing, and they go from corner to corner, and then they what do they? This. What? Oh, mate, I'm going to have to edit so much of this out of just me because they're saying stuff and no one knows what I'm going on about. It's terrible. I had a mate who, who went to do Britain's Got Talent. Right. What kind of act? It was, um, he, he, there's no way it would have got on. It's, it's called a Geordie Gunter Swedish porn star. <laughs> it was a character bit. Yeah. And he basically just comes out and in a tiny thong and it looks like a typical 70s German porn star. Not Geordie, German. Sorry, because he is a Geordie guy. Right, yeah. Dave, Dave Little, sorry. German porn star. And he said it was, when he did it, it was said it was literally like a cattle market. We were in holding pens because we would just, they just bring us out and film us. And then they just use just a quick flash of us or two seconds of footage. And, and you really, you know, you suddenly realize, oh, we're just being used really yeah, totally. to kind of make the show look, oh, look what you might see and all the, all the oddballs. And then, yeah, it'd just be someone coming out and, and singing a bloody hallelujah. Yeah. See, I'd flip the format where at the beginning I get all the big singers out the way. Everyone who thinks they're fucking Whitney Houston or whatever, who can blast it, get rid of them and then leave it with a. Barry Lemons and his spoons of joy, and yeah. have him come on. I like, I like balloon animals, me. Yeah, I like a good balloon animal act. I like people who do special um, bubbles. You know those mm. bubble magicians? Oh, I love him. There's <laughs> one guy, isn't it? Yeah, he was in the smoke. Yeah. He was famous because like he was do the smoke, but then cool. he was he couldn't do that act anymore because venues wouldn't allow smoking and yeah. things. Yeah, so yeah. like. His big trick was all out the window. Unless he went, come out to the parking lot outside and I'll do me magic tricks. Well, there's tricks. ways yeah, around yeah. it, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. He might have used, I don't know, dry do ice. Do you remember that guy who used to smoke 200 fags at once? Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. That was a very famous magician. And he used to magician. put it in his mouth, take yeah. the whole thing into his mouth. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, 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 and it all disappeared and it all pop out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking of novelty acts, I saw the fart guy. At university. Well, the original. No, the Petamane. No, because no. he's Mr. Been Methane. Mr. Methane. Ginger bloke. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. he do that trick you have where you open your arsehole up Mate, and that's the basic it? technique of producing farts at will, is the breathing arse. You know what? Next live you show. You gape it. Can you do that? <laughs> no, Next I will not show, do it. Can you do... I don't want to do that. Mr. I'll probably end up doing we can call myself. You, we can call you Mr. Messy Stain or something <laughs> like that. I will not do it, but I just know I just know I have some... Dr. Yeah. Eli Silver on new feces. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking? Who new feces. Like... Okay. Good, that's good. <laughs> new feces. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like now, I, I was thinking about, um, do you reckon puppetry of the penis would get away with that now? Do you think that would be oh. deemed inappropriate now? I don't know because it wasn't as if the show was sexual. Because I remember seeing it once and then again last night in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I remember seeing it and thinking, it's all very impressive, quote unquote, but mm. I'm not going to recommend it to my mum. It just felt like it was one of those kind of, oh, I can't believe it. Like the, when the Chippendales were popular in the 80s, it just had that sense of, oh, but I don't know. It's just, it's a funny one, isn't it? You think, would that be seen as a bit icky now? I would like to say not, because as I say... No, I don't think so, because it's, it's sort of... I don't know if they'd get a West End show. Unsexualised, no. isn't it? And it's sort yeah. of like that Swedish um, kids programme with Mr. Penis or whatever, you know. Yeah, but that is a cartoon. It's not a bunch of Australian men. It's a huge penis going around hmm. doing stuff. But, yeah, but it's not attached to a human, is it? Right. Like they interviewed Billy Connolly on Graham Norton's show the other night, and they, he was reminiscing about his appearance dancing naked in Piccadilly Circus in, in an early comic relief. And you do think, I wonder if they would do that now, whether that would be seen as a bit 
weird now. It, 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 it since Me Too and 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 all the other grave issues probably yeah they probably just say nah. well say so everything's yeah. about context though right you know everything i think no topic is off the books providing you have context for it. even if your context is hateful at least it's context because at the end of the day whatever you put out there you've got to stand by and i don't like comedians who don't stand by things they say and they go oh it's just a joke well it's like do you well, do you believe the joke or do you you know what i mean yeah. i'm not saying every joke has to have some kind of massive political stance behind it but like if you're going to tackle subjects then at least either commit one way or the other. I don't like ephemeral edgelord comedy. So I don't think Billy Connolly was ever, a, you know, an edgelord comedian. No, I mean... In he fact, was a... if anything, he made naughty dialogue kind of homely. He's one of the greatest storytelling comedians yeah. of all time. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Easily. It's like there's no other guy you, you're hilarious. happy to sit there for 15 minutes and not really have a punchline or Fucking a guy. hilarious. And just love mm. the, the story. Yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about it from... The indecent exposure. Yes, I think I think they wouldn't do it now. No, I think for that because for that reason. If you're making this a humorous thing of a man, you know, waving his private parts in public, you know, mm. where, where it, it is in that kind of grey area, isn't it really? There's only one way to find out, and if you're up for it, Paul, we can go to Piccadilly well, Circus. Well, well, Leicester well, Square's just down yeah, there. Right? Just, we can just go there if you want. Yeah. Well, give it a go. I'll, give watch, a it. I'll watch it out. <laughs> I've seen enough of your penis in the past 24 hours. Yes, because you could, if I was to walk naked in through Piccadilly Circus and mm. get arrested, I could say, well, it's all right for Sir Billy Connolly yeah. in, in 2006 or whatever. <laughs> what, what's, what, what's the difference? Because I thought that would make sense if it was like his, you know, like an audience of Billy Connolly period of his career when he might have done something like no, that. No, this, for this was in the noughties. Oh, that right. surprises me then. Yeah, but the noughties was sort of, was much ruder. Wasn't it? Yeah, than it is yeah. now. Well, it was off the back end of like nineties, the lad culture, lad culture, culture stuff in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, that was still sort of hanging around. Because you get of, away yeah. with it because it was all blokey. Yeah, yeah, that blokey blah, thing, blah, blah, yeah. Blah. And, You know, even the ladette culture yeah. probably could tolerated that uh, thing as well. I mean, going back to blankety blank, I was in a blankety blank sketch for comic relief. The, the, the last good sketch comic relief oh. ever did. I'm going to say that right now because oh, that was a huge favourite with oh, yeah, our was... little group of comedians. That is a damn oh, fine we, sketch. We, we died on our ass on the night. Did you? Well, it was strange because they they put it out. It was really late when they put it out, and um, the audience are kind of bust in and they're all tired. They can't go for a piss. They can't drink. You know, they've exhausted from being in a bath of baked beans the week before. And, yeah. You know, they're just they're captive basically, and they're not really probably massive comedy fans as, as such. And they we, think they're there for children in need. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah. So we we did the sketch. It went, you know, it got got some laughs, but it was difficult because there was canned laughter within the sketch. So it was, and there was silences within the sketch where you're you're hoping people would be laughing, but in the in the with this tired audience, they just seemed utterly bemused by it. Really, it's so funny because so like, it works much better on TV. It, than it works is. much better on TV. But the point I'm why I'm bringing this up, but. Because I've got it on tape the whole evening because I wanted to see it when I got mm. home. And um, there is a bit where three guys stand up completely naked That's in, right. the, in the audience. And you just think, wow, and there's kids there. And you think that that just would no way would that get through now. And that yeah. was early 2000s, wasn't there? Wasn't there a show it? where the people used, would look at someone's junk and sort of they, talk about... Yeah, that's still, that's still on TV now, the naked attraction. Well, there was the one. Oh, what's a, what? What was the one that um, the Denise Van Outen used to do? Oh, 
Feel these bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Feel these bollocks with Denise Van Houten. <laughs> great. Yeah. I remember it vividly. Knob, knob check. Yeah. Knob was that check. the one where they pushed women into the water or people no, into the water? that was Chris Tarrant, man oh man. Oh, no, some Tarrant keeps coming up. Yeah, something for the weekend. That was well, Britain's got Tarrant, haven't they? So, you know. <laughs> hey! Thank you. I'm here all fucking week, unfortunately. <laughs> right, new faces record. No, well, so I tell you what, we'll end with the new faces and just talk very briefly about Opportunity Knocks. Again, you look at the calibre of acts and like, Now, you know, Opportunity Knocks was... A completely separate franchise, yeah. Was it S- same difference? You know, it was Huey Green. Huey Green. Huey Green. Was so the new host. faces. When did it f- finish? Oh God, no! It ran up until eighty six. Okay. And but Opportunity Knocks came and went. It was bigger in the seventies, but effectively mm. oh, you really? had so new faces were, and Opportunity Knocks going both at the same knocking time. around at the same time. And I will say mm. this: I think new faces had the better talent. I think they came out with the better acts, whereas Opportunity Knocks, here's who you got. Peters and Lee, Paper oh, Lace. Peters and fucking Freddie Lee. Starr with his fucking ballads. Oh. Who Simon Pegg played in the Blankety Blank sketch, That's didn't right. He? Yeah. <laughs> it ain't. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all I can do of him. Airborne with the song Emily J. It's like fucking just... hell, Airborne. How bad is your is your talent Ghost roster? Ghost Meat by Airborne. Here's the thing. How <laughs> bad is your talent roster? <laughs> Opportunity knocks when, <laughs> of all the acts, you put Peters and Lee on twice and Paper Lace on twice. Fucking you hell. know what I mean? Well, if I remember correctly, Opportunity knocks. they didn't have a judge's uh, like new faces, but they had a thing called a clapometer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know the clapometer. And so they would get the uh, the audience that were the invite the studio audience, not people at home. That would be, <laughs> yeah. that would be imagine the microphones they need. <laughs> um, had to clap, and they had this guy obviously stood behind, hiding on this little board with an arrow going up. To yeah, say, <laughs> so he was the clapometer. He yeah, had to yeah, decide. He, he, I suppose so. So if he was pissed off, he used the one you had to impress. I yeah, mean, how hard can you clap and cheer? You know. Yeah, to to what to, make sure to make it go over seventy eight. Well, if you were if you were a canny act, you'd probably give him a hand job. You know, yeah. find out who the the, the clapometer operator fucking is. gave yeah. him a clapometer. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> got the clapometer. Yeah, talk about a stuck in standard ovation. <laughs> and and Hugh, Huey Green was the avuncular host, and I mean that most sincerely, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. I, I don't know. I have you have you ever been on a talent show? Have you ever thought about doing a talent show, even when you were a kid or something? I I I. Won a talent show. I came first in a oh. talent show. Yeah, on holiday in 1977. Still riding the crest of the wave of appearing on Nationwide, presumably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. life in your sights. Yeah, exactly. I did uh, a stand-up comedy routine, and I went on. I did impressions. I I came on. I did Eric Morecambe. Oh wow! Can you still do Eric Morecambe? Um, I'm not. No, you know what? I feel bad now because all of a sudden no, I'm just you know what? a lot of pressure you, on you. When someone says. Can you do yeah, this impression? You can never do it. It's like, tell that funny story. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It wasn't yeah. as funny as you told it the other night. No, because it was spontaneous. Yes. Oh, Arsenal! Oh, that's, <laughs> that's probably going to pop the mic anyway. Uh, Worth it. Oh, yes. Oh, little man. No, so I, I I, used to do Eric. I mean, yeah, I was always that. Do you, Eric Morgan, Paul? Yeah. Uh, at Christmas. I used to do Dave Allen, make my finger look like... Yeah, yeah, do the missing. finger. That's, the, that's the touch, isn't it? And I told a joke about hypochondriacs. I didn't even know what a hypochondriac was. <laughs> how old are you? On Sorry. The, on the, how old am I? I'm 55. No, I mean then. I was <laughs> 11. And I told her, yeah, Dave Allen, um, something about a hypochondriac's tombstone saying, I told you I was ill. The, the, the kind of highlight of the set was I'd do impressions of going to the dentist. <laughs> okay. So I'd do this whole routine with all the drills, you know. And... and 
all that stuff. And that's yeah. how you got the Nescafe <laughs> advert. That's my, that's a percolator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I do all of that, and uh, and I won it. They said to me, "We're going to put you on uh, the top of the bill tomorrow night at the adult cabaret." I said, "I don't, I can't, I don't want to open. F- I don't want to. No, no. That first time I'd heard the expression top of the bill. No, you are oh, going to wow. finish the show. Yeah, at eleven. At eleven, and, and, an I, and I was utterly fearless, and just thought, oh great, oh well, I'm chucking some new material, and killed it. Wicked. Yeah. So yeah, that was probably my my. That was the day you knew. That was the day I probably knew that I definitely wanted to do something along those lines. Yeah, and then all those years later, you're on a podcast with two dickheads talking shit about charity. (laughs) How the mighty have fallen. I won't won't mind climbing to where you've fallen to. Let me just put it that way. Oh, that's sweet. No, it was. I mean, I remember I I was given five pounds, which in those days you could buy a mini for. Really? No. I was going to say, no, maybe, I don't think no mini was six fifty. Oh no, I'm, I'm being silly. Um, no, five pounds I could get. I don't know, five hundred curly burlies or whatever. Mm. And I had a photocopied, those proper old purple photocopied certificates, which my mum's got somewhere. So yeah, they were very proud of me. They should be. That was that be eleven but to do all that and then yeah, nail an amazing. adult show. I yeah. fucking I remember the first show I ever did in front of an audience. It was a magic show, mm. and someone put me in a card costume and I had to be the Jack of Diamonds, and I had to say one thing where it was like Kazam, and instead I fell forward and cried. Yeah, and they had to drag me out as I was crying. I that was a, my first. I told you on I did stage. a two week magic course, and then <laughs> at the end, sorry, everyone's everyone's parents came to watch us do the show, and they. Giving Two feedback. Magic course. Yeah, at the, it was at the, um, the what was the, used to be the Unicorn Theatre. Oh yeah. In uh, Leicester Square. Okay. It's yeah. a children's theatre. I think it was called the Unicorn. Okay. Yeah, it's still there, but it's something else now. It's just a theatre now. And then what? You did the magic trick. Well, everyone's parents came. Mine didn't. Right. And everyone's parents were like, "Oh, Timmy was brilliant." They'd give feedback after after everyone had done their trick, and then. Everyone was like, hey, it's brilliant, Timmy, brilliant, Johnny, brilliant, Jane. And then with me, they were like, a bit shifty. Bit, <laughs> like, Fuck off. I'm sorry, but your son can't do magic because he had stumpy hands. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I also, I was too, I'm not, yeah, I'm too shifty to be a magician. Surely Whatever. the shifty is a great thing to be for a magician. No, right? it's like, you know, the misdirection, it's like, yeah. you know. All right, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to end then with the track from New Faces, the first track, which is You're a Star by Carl Wayne, which I believe was released and was a hit in the charts itself. Ah. So I wonder if this will bring back memories for you. Yesterday I was happy to play for a penny or two a song Till a fella in a black sedan Took a shine to my one man band He said we got plans for you You'd never dream You're a star, you're a star A lovely suit and a new guitar That's not the version they released, though. Otherwise, no. I would be really pissed off with yeah. the DJ. It was like, this is I was 30 go seconds. For a piss, well, it's the only mono track on there. It was just lifted it directly from the TV. Ah. It says here, compiled this whole album by Alan Freeman. Ah. So he had a say. 
And you've got, you know, you've got Shawaddy Waddy on here. Under the moon. They did have love. a proper pedigree, all those judges, though, yeah. didn't they? Like... Lenny Henry. Uh, although, to be fair, most of these are, go over my head now. Sweet Sensation, Tom You know Wade. the Honey Bus? There's a tune, the Honey Bus, Maggie. I can't let Maggie go. Can't let what Maggie. Was, was that used in an ad or something, yeah, that it refrain? Was for, um, Bread? No. Uh, nimble. That, yeah, nimble, nimble bread, was, like, like yeah. the hot air bread. Okay. That's right, yeah. Thank yeah, you, because yeah, yeah. I played it on my show today, and I was just like, what is that? That's an awful DJ when you play a track and you go, what was that? And the no, I just everyone... didn't know how, I knew, obviously, the name of the song, Paul. Yeah, I know. I'm just being facetious. To... You would say something funny. You can't, can you? <laughs> no. You never win a fucking talent <laughs> I show. Couldn't. I don't, I don't. Let's do it, do an impression. I don't have the confidence. Right, give me an impression, do I? I'll do an impression. We'll end on an impression. Um, the other Ronnie, not Barker, what was he called? No, not Yeah, Bart. no, Ronnie Corbett's the one. Corbett. Because Corbett. It, it really be new shit. I like that one. I just had to. That's it, that's it. Go on, anyone else? Go on, I'll do them. I, the two Ronnies used to come on, and whenever he did his, his sitting down in the chair monologue, bit, I was like, out of there. Oh, yeah, this is so boring. They're <laughs> the best bits. It yeah. was not the best It bit. was the art of the tangent. It was never about the joke. It was about the tangent. I did not like those bits. Yeah, there was actually, I kind of only really liked the sketches. I didn't like the songs at the end. No. I've always been a bit of a comedy song person, though, so, so I like those I, ones. I just thought, well, I don't really resonate with music hall versions of this. You know, I didn't, I liked it when he, they did pop stars at the time. Yeah, but well, that was always weird as well. Who were those two, the Western singers? Jellifant and Jessifat, was it? I've got the whole LP, and it's yeah. basically just straight sort of country tunes. I've got that Les Dawson, uh, not Les Dawson, I've got that Ronnie Barker album, which is just full of him doing End of the Pier song, because he was he was obsessed with uh, postcards and End of the Pier and yeah, British stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole annual of his collection of... Bawdy. Yeah, bawdy postcards. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a whole thing. I don't know. I like Barker for that. Barker falls into that same thing as Les Dawson and Victoria Wood, where it's not so much that they're incisive, but it's like the way they use language is just beautiful. I just yeah. love it. Great wordsmiths. Yeah. I, I, I used to like the dinner party sketches. and, and Yes. Well, I, I liked it when they were doing a sketch together. I, I, I thought his monologues were very funny. Always very pun-based, weren't they? Barker's, the kind of yes. spoonerism type yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah. stuff, yeah. All I will say is I'm glad we've managed to speak for another half an hour on New Faces and we didn't get to Jim Davison and so we can therefore not speak about Jim Davison, right. which is, I think, a boon to this podcast. Yeah. So Do you leave Michael Elphick out of this? Yeah, I often have to. Although, basically, if, if you want to know the history of um, Jim Davison, look up Jimmy Jones and just... he just, Is it Jimmy Jones? Jimmy James? Who was the other comedian of the time? Jimmy, the one he fucked over? No, the one he ripped the whole fucking he, act oh, off. Oh, he got the whole Even act. his funny racist jokes, he ripped off, ripped off Jimmy James. Or Jones, or Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, he ripped off the undertones. Yeah. The bottom line is... He's dead to us, so we can all move on. Right, let's wrap this show up. And that's the end of that Cheap Show episode. Way! Thank you, Paul, for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. If people have fallen in love with you over the course of this last 90 minutes, where can they get in touch with you socially on the medias? Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I, it's a load of drivel I tweet. So <laughs> be fine. prepared. It's it's a uh, real Paul Putner. Yeah, and I don't have a blue tick because I don't even know how to do that. I don't really know how to use Twitter. So if you uh, want to see pictures or anything accompanying this episode, go to thecheapshow.co.uk. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, all those kind of things. But on Twitter, it's where we're most vocal at the Cheap Show Pod. I'm at Paul Gannon Show. Eli is Eli Snoid. E L I S N O I D. And if you would like to consider supporting us financially through the art of Patreon, you can. 
patreon.com forward slash cheap show. Give what you can, but only if you can. And stop looking at me like that. <laughs> the when, art of Patreon. When you start doing, He's really doing when mouth When you funnies. start doing the admin at all on this podcast. I can do it. you can start correcting me. We've had me. this before. We've I been can doing do it. this for nearly six and a half years. I can years, fucking and you do can it. you barely remember well, the email address. I'll tell you what. What's the email address? www. No, you see, there we go. <laughs> Thecheapshow.com. No. Dot net. Why would it be dot UK? Net? It's an email. Dot UK. Where's the at? At. Oh, you useless bag of bollocks. It's. No, oh, you've never said through the art of Patreon before, have you? I've though? got to mix it up. That's a weird I? thing to say. You know what else weird to say? What? You wank it in the jungle. <laughs> and I said that out loud, didn't I? So, you can email us anything you want thecheapshow at gmail.com and if you go to our website thecheapshow.co.uk there are links to our merch page uh, the video, our YouTube channel events magazine page and there's also the address for our PO box if you want to send us anything to the show to play with or a price of shite and I think that has been a rather long and epic episode and so thank you Mr Putner for joining us for it and you're always welcome back even if you don't necessarily want to come back uh, yes well thank you very much for having me <laughs> very you. democratic yes. alright yeah, anything you want to say Eli no good should we say goodbye then? Goodbye. Goodbye then. Bye. See you next week. Bye.